As we learned last time, the world has a messed up view of who God is and what he does. And sometimes that sneaks its way into the church and Christians' lives too. Well, today we'll continue to learn the truth. Here's Pastor David. God's love is powerful and beautiful and holy and pure. It's full of life. And he will make his children, who he has called by name, holy and perfect in his image through transformation. That's what it looks like. We have a lot of ideas about what it should, things should be like and what life should be like and who's right and who's wrong and whatever. And our society's like, blah, 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 blah. There's only one person who sets that standard and then transforms us to it. And that's the loving father that we have, God. That's what love is. So don't tell God that if he loves you, he'll accept your sin because that's ridiculous. Tell him you're willing to make your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him and that you're willing to allow him, no matter what you want, no matter how strong your desires are, no matter how much you've decided that your life should look like this, say, no, no, my life is a sacrifice to you. Transform me. Because that's where the fruit comes. The fruit under righteousness. Becoming that man or that woman that God actually made you to be before we experience the fallenness of this world. And he's transforming you out of it. Last word that I used in that uh, sentence was forgiving. Forgiving. There are two ways the world misuses this word. First way is pretty easy. The world doesn't think they need forgiveness. Forgiveness is an enemy. It means I have to admit I've done something wrong. They don't think they need it. The world thinks they're okay. Remember the verses, this is verse three from the chapter we're reading in Psalm, Psalm two, Psalm two, three. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. This is the nations and the people and the rulers and the kings saying, I don't want to be limited by what you say life is supposed to be like, by what you say about who I am and who you are. I want to do my own thing. I don't need you. That's what they say. They don't want to be accountable to God. They don't want to have to bow their knee to the king of kings. And so they convince themselves they're okay. They don't understand that he loves them that he made them and he will make them new in him. They just want to go their own way. And because of that, they convince themselves they don't need forgiveness. Or best case scenario that I've seen, they say something like, I only need to forgive myself. Now, well, that sounds very modern. If someone spits in my face and I say, would you please apologize? And they say, I've already forgiven myself. <laughs> it's not going to do much for me, right? It's a little nonsensical. Of course, we do that to God. And that's what, that's what the world does to God. I've forgiven myself. You didn't sin against yourself. All sin is sin against God. He's the one who has to forgive you. You can't forgive yourself for that which only God can forgive. Number two, they see forgiveness as cheap grace. Cheap grace. Romans 6, uh, verses 1 through 2, gives us these questions. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? 
Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? You want a power-packed week? Just study Romans 6, 7, and 8. You have a good week. We have preached and taught the wonderful and glorious grace of God. I'm talking about as a church, as Christ's church. I think we have done actually a phenomenally good job of teaching about the wonderful and glorious grace of God. And we should always preach it. We should preach it from the mountaintops. We should proclaim it to everyone. It is good news, better news than any news there has ever been. God will forgive you for anything, for everything that you've done and make you new and clean in him. It's great news. There's nothing that can separate you when you're in Christ from the love of God. Nothing. The gospel message is peace to those who call on his name and confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. But when we're in Christ, we're dead to sin and alive to God and his transforming power. We ought not to sin. Grace and forgiveness are a free gift. 1 John 1, 9. We read it regularly. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all of it. The gift of grace and forgiveness are free for you today. But that gift was not cheap. It's free to you, but it was not cheap. The free gift of grace is there because of God's sacrifice for you because he loves you. It cost him. John 3, 16, you probably know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his only begotten son for you to be tortured, to be killed for you because he loves you. 1 Corinthians six twenty. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Forgiveness is free for you, but it is not cheap. Grace was not cheap for God. We must not look at sin as if it's no big deal. We must not do that. Something that we'll just deal with when we have time. We must not mistake God's free gift of grace with a cheap gift of grace. Because then we cheat we treat God like he's cheap and like he's weak and he's not. You're incredibly valuable because he's strong. You're incredibly valuable. Everyone here, God loves you so much that he died. He died for you. Everyone who's listening to, to me right now, you're either sons and daughters of God who have chosen to follow Christ, or your people who are hearing the gospel right now, that there is a free gift of grace for you and that God loves you and he's drawing you to turn to him. It's not an accident that you're either here in this room or watching online or listening to it later or whatever. It's not an accident. God loves you. This is a message for the whole world that God will forgive you and cleanse you and make you his sons and daughters. He's not a grandpa. He's a kind, loving, forgiving, and good father. Those of us who have experienced his chastening and his scourging, we might ask ourselves, I think sometimes maybe we do, why does God care so much? After all, transformation hurts. 
Can't he just care a little bit less and make it hurt a little less? Why does he care so much? This is important. If you hear nothing else, they hear this. He cares because you are his. You're his. Last week when Pastor Daniel was preaching, I was watching online. And he said, let's take a minute and just listen to God. And as I did that, that's what I heard from God. You are mine. And I cannot tell you how much peace and joy and the power of the Holy Spirit comes in me knowing I am his. Me, the worst of sinners. I am his. So wonderful, so marvelous to know that. To know that I am his is everything to me. There's a song, an old song that says, how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. If only that was the song of our heart as we walked through our day. I don't know that there would be anything that would ever cause us fear or doubt or consternation if we just could bask in the love that the Father has for us and everything that that love means. We love God because as the scripture tells us, he loved us first. Listen to, to Isaiah 43.1. This is so beautiful. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, speaking to Israel here, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. In the Romans 8.15, 8, we, we hear this. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. This word spoken to the Israelites is a word for us too because we have been adopted, grafted in. We are his people. And he says to you, you are mine. I've redeemed you. We need to understand how beautiful that is. We need to understand that the world does have to fear God because judgment is coming on the world. I'm not gonna sugarcoat that for us. It's a fact. Judgment is coming on the world. We who are in Christ are not of this world. Our kingdom is God's kingdom. Jesus answered, this is John 18, 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. We who are gods are not of this world. We don't want to be associated with this world or its philosophies or its rebellion. You need to understand this because we like to play very close to the world. If you had a buddy, and here's what you knew. God told you really clearly, he said, your buddy sometime today is going to get straight up struck by lightning. How close would you stand to him during the day? Probably not very. You ain't going to be hugging up on somebody who's about to get hit by lightning, right? In the same way, we know judgment is coming on the world. So we need to be very careful about how close we allow ourselves to be associated with the things of the world. Now hear me clearly. I'm not talking about we all go out and become hermits. You should be in the world. In the world, ministering, caring for, helping, praying for. Mourning with those who mourn, rejoicing with those who rejoice, bringing people into the kingdom, all of that in the world, but not of the world. There is a difference. 
Too often we try to play both sides. We want what we think the world gives us. Meanwhile, we want what God gives us. And that works fine with Grandpa God, who doesn't care what you do. You come into church on Sunday, you sing a couple songs, it makes you feel good. The rest of the week, it's all world. The problem is you're messing around with things that are made for judgment. But you, if you're a child of God, are not made for judgment. You've been redeemed. You're his. You ought not to act like them. They're lost. They're going to act like they're lost. All of us once were lost before we were found by him. Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We need to understand God as he is. Not as we want to make him, not as the easy way to describe him, but as he is the consuming fire. He is truly kind, he is truly loving, he is truly forgiven in those words, in their real definitions. He's forgiving the way God is forgiving, not the way we want it to be, or either we don't need it or it's something cheap. He's forgiving in that he was willing to go all the way. His only begotten son who died for us. And the scripture is clear about a couple of things. It's clear that not only should we love God, but we should also fear him. People don't like to say that. We're to fear God, to hold him in reverence and in awe because he is awesome. Now, those of us, as I said, there is no good earthly father. We do our best. Some don't do their best. But for most of us who had a dad around, there was some fear. We knew that our dad didn't, didn't want us to do certain things, and we knew that if we did those certain things, there was something to be afraid of. Now, God is good. So the only things you need to be afraid of are those things which he's told you not to do, and all of those things are things that he knows are what's best for you. But you should expect the chastening to come. You should fear God. We can no longer proclaim a grandfather like God. We just can't do it anymore. A, it's not true. And B, it causes real problems. Remember earlier I said, here's a question I want you to think about it. This is the question I asked. But what if we have begun to believe the idea that God is a grandpa? Let me tell you what will happen if you buy into that mindset that seems to be really prevalent out there. Let me tell you what it's gonna look like for you. First, we will see God as weak. Like I said, you don't call grandpa up for the street fight. We'll see him as weak. We'll see God's accountability and his chastening in our lives as a bad thing. Now, that seems strange, but think about this. If you're a believer and you've been convinced that coming to know Jesus meant that you were getting the grandpa God, then your mindset is what, I get, what God gives me is candy and pizza and Coke and whatever. That's the mindset that you have. So when chastening comes, which is painful, you're not gonna see it as the loving discipline of God. You're gonna see it as something he's not protecting you from because everything's supposed to be all good. So those things that actually build you, you're gonna see them as enemies. That doesn't work. You have to, if you don't recognize the chastening of God, let me tell you what happens because I have lots of experience with this. It goes on longer and gets more painful. But if you're thinking, that's not God, God only gives me candy, 
You're never going to understand what it looks like to be transformed. You'll think his chastening in your life is a bad thing. We will not know the awesome power of the Holy Spirit because we won't look to the Holy Spirit to overcome that which is there because we see God as just somebody who gives us kind of like a genie that we rub the lamp and gives us what we want. Grandpa God. We'll constantly be wondering why we don't have the pizza and the Coke and the candy life instead of the painful transforming life. We will misunderstand God's judgment. Mistake it for weakness. Mistake his grace and his patience for weakness, which is what the world does. And then we won't be careful in our thought life. We won't be careful in our life. We won't take sin seriously. We will not work hard to know Jesus and love Jesus and grow in Jesus if everything is just supposed to be easy. Because if you're just thinking, hey, he's just the grandpa who's gonna give me that five bucks in the birthday card and keep his nose out of the shady things I do, you're gonna have a really weak relationship with God. We won't be a powerful force for the truth of the gospel. You know what we'll be in the end? We'll be nice. We'll be nice. Let me tell you something. I don't wanna be nice. I don't wanna be nice. I wanna speak the truth. I wanna be transformed. I want the beautiful pain of transformation because I know what it brings. I exhort you, Christ follower, to want the same thing. Desire the pain that brings life. Understand who God is in his fullness. Mercy and justice. He's all of it. If you're not a Christ follower, I exhort you, repent. Be reconciled to God today. His arms are open. There is no doubt. There's nothing you have done. There's nothing you have done that he cannot forgive, that he will not forgive. There's nothing you have done that will keep him from transforming you and making you new. If you will repent, if you will call him Lord, if you will say Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right now, today, God is not a grandpa. God is our father. You will never know true love or true peace or true hope or true faith or true joy without God being our good father. Without him, we get none of that. It's all just a weak representation. You wanna live a full, exciting, adventurous life then you live with the true God, not the God as grandpa. Let's all worship and serve him for the marvelous, awesome God that he is. As Pastor David said, if you confess Jesus as Lord, you will be saved. Do you need a Savior? We all do. And right now, wherever you are or whatever you're doing, you can give your life to Jesus and ask Him to be your Lord and Savior. And I really hope you will. And then let us know, won't you? We'd love to help you get started in a life of faith. Call us at 360 360- 885-9000. Or for email, use info at axchurchnw.org. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check out our next episode for more from Psalm 2 here on Contemplate. Contemplate.